Greetings and welcome to The Second Question, a podcast for educators and those who love education. I'm your host, Martin Silverman, a public school educator from beautiful San Antonio, Texas. Now, let's answer the second question. All right, listeners, welcome to this episode number 37 of The Second Question. I am here today with uh, one of my newest friends, uh, mi buen amigo del paso pero ahora está viviendo en Garland, Texas. Uh, I am with Josue Tovar, Josh Tovar. And Josh uh, is a son. He's a husband. He's a father. He's an educator. He's a military veteran. He is a social media icon. I'm calling you an icon, Josh. Uh, He is currently uh, working as principal at Memorial Pathway Academy in Garland, Texas. Josh, thank you so much for being here on the second question. I really appreciate that. Oh, it's my pleasure. As you know, I've been following your awesome work with all the great guests. I think I'm on episode 24, so I'll catch up to me sooner or later. But you're doing great work. And you know what? I really spread the beautiful words and sentiments that are said here, especially with the second question. Those are beautiful thoughts and ideas that I heard. And you know what? It inspires me. And this is what we all need to do. We need to, right now in the middle of this chaos, this pandemonium, we all need to find that beautiful vine, that vine of serenity, that vine of trust that connects us to our why. And that's the crucial part. And I and I thank you. Muchas gracias a ti and to all your 24 other guests. I'll catch up to the rest um, for inspiring me every day because I hear the purpose and the why in their voice. So thank you for adding added value to my life. Well, that is uh, very, very kind of you to say, and I really appreciate it. Uh, Josh, you work at a school, and I see you're wearing your Jaguar shirt uh, as we speak here. Um, You work at Memorial Pathway Academy, and Memorial Pathway Academy is not exactly your typical secondary school, but what makes uh, MPA different from other secondary schools? You know, I, I transitioned from El Paso, from Socorro High School, which had 2,550 kids, to a campus of 297 right now. So that is a quick, uh, drastic change, you know, as an administrator. It doesn't matter the years of service that you have, but you have to change. But it's such an eclectic group of students. It's, uh, mis hijos es un algo precioso, because it's a little building, and it's divided into two sections. One section are the students that just came in from Vietnam from Ethiopia. The kids are from Afghanistan. You know everything you saw in the video, in in the TV? They're with me at that campus. So within one classroom, you've got six languages. You've got six languages within one classroom, and you've got an array of age groups. That's why I have such awesome team members there that are able to promote their second language, those students, and learn their English. And so within that side of the building, we've got all those kiddos. Middle school, and high school kids from different parts of the uh, the world, pardon me. And then in the other hallway, we have the students like me. I was one of those kids. I was one of those students that did not do well in a traditional campus. I was the one that ditched. I was the one that teachers would call a loser. I was the one that would go out with my friends. And I'm not proud of this, but it's a reality that I learned from my mistakes. 
as an adult, we learn from our mistakes. I was that person that would go out drinking and ditching. And so that school is made for students that are either teen parents, students that had a lot of adversity with being uh, children of divorce, substance abuse, uh, gang activity, whatever it might be. It's the students that it's a last resort. So all of my hijos from the sixth grader to the 19-year-old teen mom, all those kids are within one home. And let me tell you, it's such a beautiful gumbo of humanity. You know, I uh, am a former bilingual teacher. And when I was reading and I've read some of your posts about your Newcomers Academy, I love the concept of that. I love the idea of it. And I know that that's something that has become uh, certainly more prevalent, you know, in this area as well, is having a Newcomers Academy. Tell me about in your Newcomers Academy, what is your what is your personal goal for the students who are this who are in your Newcomers Academy? My personal goal is to make sure that they feel comfortable when they're in our home. That's the number one thing, because you know what? I was that student also. I came from Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua. I was a newcomer. But the thing is that when I came to this country, I came to a country of full immersion. In a, I, we moved over from Ciudad Juarez to El Paso, Texas, and all the teachers there at Bonham Elementary were the wives of majors and captains and lieutenants in Fort Bliss who were mobilized to the El Paso Fort Bliss area. So their wives became teachers while their husbands were uh, stationed there. So all those teachers there only knew English. It was a, one or two Hispanics that were uh, uh, within the teaching, within the faculty. And so I understand how hard it is. I understood because it was here. Swim, baby. Echate, andale. Start paddling, baby. Tough. I don't, I don't understand you. So there's no mijito syndrome. And it's difficult and it's hard. So I need to, number one, my goal is always to make sure that I show them I'm here for you. I'm here to support you. You need to know that the second you get off that bus or the second that your parents drop you off in the morning, you're going to see myself every single day, single day, whether it's cold, whether it's hot. When you leave, you're going to see me say good morning or adios. Salamat. Thank you for being here. You know, and it's one of those things that I think that once they feel comfortable, then they're more apt to learn. Because of the things that I went through being a newcomer to this country, I didn't feel comfortable. I felt the peer pressure. I cried. I wasn't comfortable learning my second language. So it's my, I don't want my hijos to go through what I went through. So they see me trying to learn Vietnamese. And they laugh at me. You should see our, our new Afghani kids. I try to repeat what they say to me. And I know I'm destroying it. I know I'm butchering it. But they're like, it's okay. It's okay. And so you see, it's that connection. It's that bonding to making sure that they feel comfortable in learning their second language and making sure that that's spread out through all our hallways, through the whole bloodstream of our campus. Our whole body is filled with positivity. And that's what we try to do is promote that on social media because you know what? That's where our customers are. The parents, our students are on social media. So I wanted to know that not that I'm promoting the beautiful things that is learning their second language or getting their diploma. You know, uh, in listening to your response, it sounds like you are willing, not just willing, but you are embracing the fact that uh, you are able to uh, connect to the cultures of these students. Um, not that you live that culture, but that you, uh, you know, you see the value in, 
them bringing their culture and trying to use it as a connection to bridging to the culture in the United States? Oh, that's that's the only way. I mean, I, I can't tell you that if they feel that I'm trying to understand them and try to learn their language, they're going to be more apt to be open with me and with all our team members. It's crucial that we do that. Every morning, I start off the, the morning announcements every day with good morning in all their languages. Whatever languages in that school, I started. Every morning, I start off by saying that because you know what? You are important to me. And now even the kids within the non-traditional side and everybody, so you see, it breathes life, positivity. It's moods are, you know, it's something that as long as they feel it, they'll emulate it and they'll feel appreciated. So yes, I embrace it. And I walk around during the lunchroom. How do you say that in Vietnam? How do you say that in Ethiopia? Play me some of your music. And that's how we connect with the kids. Because here goes, and I love saying this, if you heard me on the, uh, the other podcast, kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if we bond with them and we connect with them, they're going to be more comfortable and doing 100% for us. Look at any winning coach. Look at any winning coach. They might be scolding that player for dropping the ball, but you know what? They're going to say, yes, sir, because you know what? They know that they're saying it out of love. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. And, you know, um, I want to go a little bit further with this because I know that not only does that, that doesn't only go one way, the you you becoming uh, comfortable with the student's culture. But I know one of your goals, because I've seen it on your um, social media posts, is to help the students embrace the culture of the United States as well. So tell us a little bit about some of the ways that you do that. Uh, we, uh, what I try to do is make sure that I accentuate holidays. I try to accentuate historical people. I connect it to our, our theme this year because of the Olympics has been going for the gold. I know it's cliche, but you know what? It's not about a theme. It's about making sure that you, someone that sits in our chair, is consistent with the vision of the theme. Because we, you know, we've discussed this before in other areas where uh, administrators have a theme for a year. But you know what? They fizzle out by October. They forget what the theme was. No, no, you, you can't fake the funk like Principal Cafele says. You got to make sure that you're consistent. And it's all about patterns of behavior. So on social media, what I try to do, whatever I see, whether it's a Islamic holiday, I post it. If it's something that has to do with Hinduism, I post it. If it's about uh, a presidency of a woman president during Women Month, I post it. It's about everything. It's not only about success. But going for the gold means that when they're here in the United States, just like me, a kid of poverty, a kid that came from nothing that could accomplish the degree that I have right now, they could accomplish anything as long as they know that they set their minds to it. And it's always promoting success, breed success. You and I know that. We've been in this business for years. Success, us as administrators, we look at other administrators. Success breeds success. It's just human nature. And so on social media, what I do is I try to promote always Everything that is not only a Guatemalan holiday, a Vietnam holiday, whatever it is, to make sure, but also American things, American situations, whatever it is. Because you know what? As we always say, we're a beautiful melting pot. And the only way we're going to learn is by learning from each other so that we're stronger together. I, I think that's beautifully put. I want to change the 
direction just slightly uh, because I know, and we've talked about this just for a minute before uh, we started about you being a military veteran and uh, you said you were a Marine, correct? Former Marine. Yes, sir. Former Marine. So tell me about um, something from, I, I guess, a lesson from your military experience that translates into your uh, school Okay. It's about consistency. I didn't have that in high school. Um, I, w- I was not an effective human being in high school. I, w- I was a detriment. I, I, I could, these are my words describing me. It's, uh, it's not I'm self-hating or anything. It's just the reality of where I w- the stage in my life at that moment. And I understood that if I kept walking that path, I would be on a path of failure. And so um, I graduated when I was 17. Thank God we didn't have the star test back then. Let me tell you, thank God we didn't have all that stuff. I I would have been in trouble. And so there was a deal because of the age I graduated. And my mom, my parents are divorced. And long story here on on a side note. But she wouldn't sign the contract because I was 17. And she goes, your brother went to the Marines. I really have no connection with my brother. But she goes, he hasn't done anything with his life. I will allow you to go to the reserve if you go to school. Because we saw what he did. He sent us a lot of postcards and cool coins from around the world, but he didn't do anything. And so she, we made that agreement. And so the very first thing that the Marines do is that they break you down. They break you down in phase one. And then after that, they build you up by establishing patterns of behavior. And I always talk about patterns of behavior patterns of behavior creates consistency and once you're consistent then people will always trust in you in your word making sure that they know oh no that's the lot and people say this that's the lot he's a former marine that's why he's like that he's a former military person and so whenever you see something i always post something on monday that's something i always post something on wednesday that's something i always post something on friday that's something we always celebrate something on this day because it's that it's about that pattern of behavior that I didn't have in high school. And you know what? That's why a lot of our kids, when they graduate from high school, are not successful in college because they never were taught patterns of behavior. That's why, when do we have the most problems, and you know this, in high school and ninth grade? When they transition from eighth grade to ninth grade, los pierdo. Same thing happens to us in college. When do we lose the most candidates? Freshman year. Because they don't have the discipline. And so the United States Marine Corps taught me the discipline to stay on track and making sure that I adhere to whatever I set as a plan. So it's been something that's allowed me to be successful in different areas, different avenues. And you know what? It has created uh, barriers for me because, you know, being a Marine and I, I don't blame the Marines because it's, it's me, but I, I'm terco. I'm stubborn. <laughs> and no, it's got to be like this. No, it's got to be like this. And you know what? Sometimes that's not a good trait to have as an administrator. You and I know that. But now age has kind of filed down my nails, my porcupine nails a little bit more. Having a two-year-old has really calmed me down to where That will definitely do it for sure. Oh, yes, it has. And so (laughs) back to to your answer, it's one of those things that I was not prepared. I had a lot of issues in high school. I was a problematic teen. And what the Marines did is established discipline they established patterns of behavior for me and then now whenever i have a goal i accomplish it 
and you also do that with your students, your staff, your family, etc. Correct? To a very soft, in a very soft way, I do. Yes. Well, hopefully, you don't do the whole breaking them down and then building them back up. <laughs> you hopefully know what? You and, and you know, I'll tell you this much because I know how I was. Um, I've been the disciplinarian on all my campuses. So I was the guy, I was that guy that you would want to go to for discipline because I, I know what that behavior, I know why you're doing it because I did it before you. Come on, you and I know that. You know what you and I did. Administrator, I know you're hearing me. You, I know how you were in high school. There's nothing to funk or your nose will grow. And so I know, I'm like, really, you're trying that on me? I tried that in 1970s, blah, blah, blah. Don't try that on me. And so it's one of those things that I, I, that's been one of my flaws as I reflect uh, on going on 30 years in this business is that sometimes I felt I was too hard on kids. I was too hard on them. Um, and I feel that that deterred them from me influencing them on where I really wanted, to, uh, I want, I wanted them to go. So it's one of those things that as older we get, we get different tools and we become better people and, and better educators because we learn from our mistakes. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I think that's a lesson that, and I think we all need to give ourselves a break sometimes about uh, some of the things, especially things we did a long time ago, because, you know, everybody's going to think back and say, I could have handled, you know, blank better. Yes. But if I knew then what I know now, I would have handled it differently. And so uh, I think that's a great point that you're making. Right. Um, Josh, I want to ask you this. So if I were in charge of Garland ISD, and I said to you, Josh, I uh, love the two you know, parts of Memorial Pathway Academy, your Newcomers Academy, your non-traditional high school. And I want you to develop a third leg to that stool. Uh, and I gave you complete freedom to develop. What is something that you would love to develop as a third leg of Memorial Pathway Academy? As part of that, it would be intertwined with nonstop counseling for kids, but also with providing them with trade knowledge. The CCMR point and the certifications that we're promoting on there, sometimes the kids just want to get out. You know what? If you're a teen mom with two kids, I've had that, a teen mom with two kids at 18, you really don't want to go get a certification. Do you understand? She really doesn't want to sit around to get a Google certification or a hazard hazmat certification. There's other noise in their life, literally a baby in front of them. So if there was, to me, what I would love to do is make sure that part of our programs instilled. You want to come to me? Perfect. But you know what part of that's going to be? Counseling. Counseling in circles, in groups. Kids, think about this. I've got kids that just walk from El Salvador. You know what's happening to a lot of my hijos walking over here. You know the evil stuff that's happening to them. Think about the kids that we saw on TV coming from Afghanistan. Los traumas. Before we had a fire drill, the I thought, hold on, my Afghani kids, if I set off the alarm, how are they going to react to that? Because the last time they heard, so I, I said on the, hey, I'm about, I told them I'm about to do a fire drill. Keep an eye on our Afghani kids. I don't know how they're going to react to the alarm going off all of a sudden. That might be traumatic. So I think it's one of those things that as educators, we don't take into consideration everything that's the baggage that the kids don't deserve. 
But not only that, if they don't want to go through academia, to provide them with a good establishment, a, a route, a pipeline, not to uh, just a, a, a me, me, mediocre job, but a pipeline for a well-paying job. And you know what? If later on university is your pathway, then you'll learn because, you know, we provided you with that opportunity. But you're, if you're not there, and I'm pointing to I know it's, it's a radio. If you're not there, I'm pointing to my head. Mentally, you're not going to be there emotionally. And you're not going to want to have the ganas to do that pathway. So if I had that revenue, for sure, I would extend it out to be a comfortable SEL room. Name it whatever you want to name it. Semantically, I need kids to talk about their issues because that's what this generation is. It's not like you and me. You and I are like, yeah, get over it. Calmate. Yeah, yeah, shake it off. Yeah, get back in the game. I don't care if you have seven concussions. You know, it's not that anymore. We're at a different stage in this society. And so I would like to have the opportunity to provide them also with a way for them to understand that we're here and supporting for them emotionally and teach them their English, high school diploma, but also prepare them for the world of work, making sure that they have a way to be successful because that's when we also lose our kids. So that would be my goal. It's one of those things that is always the almighty dollar, right, is the thing that puts those cuffs on us. But if we did have that, I think that my hijos at this campus if we had that time to give them more counseling, because why are they with me? You know that the majority of them have different issues. It's how se pueden desogar. No, talk to me. Because if we don't try to fix them right now while they're within our home, what are they going to do with society? They're either going to become violent or they're going to become introverts, and that doesn't help anybody. No, and that, and that doesn't help them move forward. I think that's a, you know... What what you described is really probably actually within reach of schools and school districts, and you know that's not beyond the possible. So I'm I'll be looking forward to hearing about when that happens uh, at uh, Memorial Pathway because I think I have a feeling you're going to make it happen. I, I it's it's one of those things that I that we are working on. It's one of those things that I've laid seeds with my bosses and the beautiful thing about having stellar bosses and I'm, I'm telling you this and you know what when you're at a certain stage in my life I don't care about certain things you know what I've got great bosses my area director supports me 100% his boss Dr. Russell supports me 100% my main boss number one Dr. Lopez supports me 100% and you know what I, I value their support and I value what they bring to the table because you know what as long as we're together in the same, and you know this, if the people in your chain of command are all thinking like you, there's no limit to where kids can go. That's right. And, you know, I, I neglected to mention this at the beginning of uh, our chat, our recorded chat, but uh, Josh and I found out we have, we didn't just find out today, but we found out recently that we have a common connection, somebody who is uh, dear to both of us, and you just mentioned uh, her name, Dr. Russell, and and uh, uh, you saw that I uh, am going to coerce her to become a guest as well. So I know you're going to look forward to hearing her when she comes on as well. I highly suggest that you listen to the episode with Dr. Russell. She is an outstanding leader. She's a high high energy motivator. And you know what? She's overcome so many obstacles that when I look at her, I go, that's the role model I want to follow. Much respect to her. Well, you'll hear her episode as well, hopefully uh, 
sooner rather than later. So Josh, um, you know, from having been a listener and I, uh, a much appreciated listener, and I appreciate not only that you listen, but that you also uh, share your thoughts about uh, the episodes and you share them with other, other educators. So I do want to publicly thank you for that as well, uh, you know, other than just doing it privately. But Josh, you know that the intended uh, purpose of this podcast is to honor those people who uh, helped us get to where we are in our educational and personal lives. And the reason the podcast is called The Second Question is that in uh, every teacher interview I do, the second question of the teacher interview is, who's the best teacher you ever had and why were they the best? And so, uh, mi amigo Josue Tovar, who is the best teacher you ever had and why were they the best? Well, this is a, uh, I'll, I'll give you two. Um, and thank you very much. I, I love promoting awesome content like yours. So please, the pleasure is mine. Iron sharp, sharpens iron. The very first person is someone that I observed prior to entering the University of Texas at El Paso. She was a uh, IPC teacher, science teacher at Thomas Jefferson High School. That's right on the border with Ciudad Juarez. So a lot of the kids that come from Juarez go to Bowie High School or Jefferson in that section of El Paso. And she was five foot two, maybe 105 pounds. She only taught freshmen. Look at the look at what I'm painting in your brain. Five foot two, 105 pounds, only taught freshmen. And she had that classroom in check. She would never raise her voice. She would always speak at a monotone level whenever she, there would be discipline. And I observed that when I would go into her classroom. She would have everything in control. And when the kids would walk in, and a lot of us can see this. But look, you know, you're, you're standing by the door, and kids are walking down the hallway, and they're like, ah, 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 ah. And then when they walk into the classroom, like a Buddhist temple. Um, where when they walk into that classroom. And that person right there is Maria Virginia Tovar. That's my mom. I observed Virginia Tovar, who did for over 30 years teach science on the border, and she had much respect. She would stay up. I can attest that she would stay up late to one in the morning creating lessons. She would always be there. She would leave her house by 6.30 to help tutor kids that would come from Juarez. She would stay there late in case kids needed to, that had sports in the morning. And then they would go back to Juarez. She would stay late. She wouldn't get home till like around 7. And it was always putting in the time because kids knew that she cared. So I learned everything. And all the staffs that I've been, uh, been honored to work with, I always tell them, when it comes to discipline, you don't have to yell. And let me tell you about Virginia. I always bring up my mom. Because if my mom could control a classroom of 35, a classroom of 30, that height, that weight, without ever getting flustered, anyone can control a classroom. You don't have to look like me. I'm not saying I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I'm telling you, I just have a big, you know, I'm a big guy. She always controlled the classroom exactly the same way. Much respect to her because she wouldn't allow nonsense. She had control of the classroom from day one to the last day, but it was always with positive love. The second person that has made me, um, that taught me, and I would say an educator, and this would be Dr. Kip Sullivan at Sora State University. Dr. Kip Sullivan 
was one of those professors that people did not like to be in. And I was one of them. Let me tell you, he was the one that made sure that he told us to be in the chair, you have to feel uncomfortable. So he would do a bunch of things that were made us feel uncomfortable. And as an undergrad, becoming a grad, you don't want to go through that because you're a teacher. You know, you're a teacher trying to become an administrator. And so when you've got this professor treating you like you're really going to be faced, you and I know this, all these uncomfortable, awkward situations and conversations that have to happen, we didn't appreciate it. And now I do appreciate it. And so Dr. Kip Sullivan was one of those persons that always was not talking to us about Sir Giovanni. He wasn't talking to us about blah, 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 author. He was talking to us, look, when I was the principal, this is what happened. Does this happen at your school? And we, we, we would spend a whole hours on conversations about that. So I feel that Seoul Ross State University really did a great job with instructors like him preparing us because he brought the world of work that he had faced. And I made a connection to him even more so after I left. So it's the tough professors you and I know, the tough teachers you and I know, that we come back and we're like, I like you. I'm down with you. I really appreciate you. So it's one of those things that um, that those two instructors, and I would be remiss if I don't mention Ms. Millie Williams. She was a great teacher as a principal. Millie Williams was the one that inspired me to become an administrator. I thought I was going to be a teacher for the rest of my life. But she's the one that kept bringing me catalogs from Seoul Ross State University. She would say, Coach, you need to be an administrator. Coach, did you sign up already? Coach, Coach, I'm telling you, you listen to me. And without her, I'm not hearing your podcast as the administrator at Memorial Pathway Academy. My mother, Kip Sullivan, and Millie Williams are the people that have created a strong foundation for me helping my hijos, my Jaguars, at Memorial Pathway Academy. Well, now, I mean, that, I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, Dave Schmidto and his podcast, uh, Lasting Learning, but he always talks about at the end of his, he asks his guests to give their mic drop moment. And I believe, Josh, you have just given your mic drop moment. I appreciate that very much. Those are, those are three outstanding stories about some outstanding people. Uh, Josh, I want to thank you again, mil gracias, for taking your time. Uh, I know your kids are little and uh, your time with them is precious, your your wife, your family, and uh, that you would take some time out of your busy day to uh, spend with me chatting on the second question is uh, just been my honor and my pleasure. Thank you so much for agreeing and appearing on the second question. Thank you very much for having me here and keep on doing the Lord's work because we all need it as educators right now. And my family is supportive of people like you because they know that we're doing everything to help our kids. So thank you very much. And that's it for today's episode of The Second Question. Thanks for joining us. If you like this podcast, subscribe and tell your friends. And don't forget to join us for the next episode where we will answer The Second Question. Thank you.